Welcome, everybody, to TWGTF, or as people know it, from the Waterbury Open to the mean streets of California High School. This is Two White Guys Talking Film. I am, of course, your host, Ben. And I'm Tyler. And we are once again bringing you another episode of this show. And, oh boy, it's a it's an interesting one today. But before we get to the main attractions, we got to show them some uh, coming attractions of things that are they're going to see because we're going to recommend to them our favorite thing we saw this week. So Tyler, what was your favorite thing you saw this week? It's Pride Month when we're recording this, and mm-hmm. I like to try to watch maybe some cinema from outside of the norm. So I watch like gay films or queer films during this time period, and I watched a movie called Buddies, which was the first movie to to ever like tackle the AIDS crisis in like 1985. And let me tell you, it's a great movie. Everybody should watch it. It is also a tremendous bummer. Tell us Just, who's in it and what it's about. I don't know who's in it. It's a bunch of indie people. Let me I actually like look that up. But it's about this real thing that was occurring in New York at the time where people would join this program called the Buddies Program, where when people were like bedridden in a New York hospitals dying of AIDS, they would come and just like talk to them and like help them and essentially just, you know, be very friendly to them. And essentially give them a friend on their way out. Essentially. Yeah. And it was usually people who were also in the uh, LGBT community who would go and just spend the last couple of weeks with their friend. And it was directed by Arthur J. Bresman, who himself, he died of AIDS two years after the film was completed. And it stars Jeff Edholm as Robert Winslow and Damian Harrison as, oh, not, he doesn't star in it. He's just someone who's in it. There's a couple people. Uh, the, okay. the credits are weird. Sorry. Yeah, I would tell people, just got a Blu-ray release recently. Really check this out. It is absolutely just, it'll break your heart. It's a great movie, though. It's really, really good. Really effective. It's Pride Week and Ben didn't watch something that involved the LGBT <laughs> community. Actually, you know what? There is a couple in there who is two women who have a baby together. So maybe it is kind of gay friendly. I watched the Netflix movie Always Be My Maybe, starring Randall Park and Ali Wong. Okay, okay. I've been told to watch this. I'm Uh... going to say this about it. It is a deceptive one-two punch. And here's why. This movie on the surface looks like kind of a wacky How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days movie kind of premise where it's like, oh, these two people had sex for the first time together, and then 16 years later, they reconnect. What a wacky, fun premise. She's really successful. He works for his father's company. They're from two different worlds. She's just getting out of a serious relationship with the Brad Pitt of Asian guys. He doesn't have anyone in his life who respects him except his hippie girlfriend, who ends up kind of just leaving him for Keanu Reeves, who's dating her. What are they going to... By the way, Keanu Reeves, best part of this movie. So funny. He's playing Keanu Reeves. There's a whole scene where he's eating steak and for trying to ask for forgiveness from the cow that he's eating and then just keeps eating it. It's so funny. He kills his like five minutes in the movie. But by the end of this movie, you realize one thing. This actually isn't a romantic comedy. This is a movie about families and the way that they express love towards each other. Because it's a movie about the Korean and Asian community. I hope I'm getting that right. I believe it is. It's a beautifully done movie. It is written by Randall Park, Ali Wong, who are the two stars, and Michael Golamako, who appears to be also... Uh, no, the director is Nana Chata Khan. I um, hope I'm saying that correctly. 
But it's just this movie that has a lot of really solid, small comedic performances. And the fact that Ali Wong wrote it makes a lot of sense. The two people who play her parents in the movie are exactly how she describes her parents in her comedy act. It's just, it's a very clever little movie. I highly recommend everyone go see it and watch it with someone you love. I won't lie to you. I got a little high before I watched it. I think this was on Saturday and I started crying at one point. So can say this, Booksmart did not do that. Uh, Always Be My Maybe is my now number one film of the year. Okay, it's all right. Good. It's good. Right. It's just a really solid, well put together movie. I'll, like, I'll, I'll definitely, works. definitely need to see it now. And I yeah. hear that I think it's not lacking a clear front runner for my number one favorite movie of the year. What is your number one? Right now, it's a, a fucking Chinese film no one's heard of but me. Come so on. it's called Long Day's Journey Into Night. You've mentioned this to me before. I think I've, I think I've brought will you it send up. Me a li- will you send me a link to this, please? I want to see it. Yeah, else. totally. Yeah. yeah, and plus, I can plus. No one knows this, but I use Tyler to actually pass movies to other friends of mine. I need to introduce you to Nathan at one point because Nathan has a very similar taste to you in art house stuff. I think you two would get along. I almost would love to like just edit a podcast for you guys called The Art House Room. <laughs> yeah, those were our movies of the week. I really recommend Always Be My Maybe. And Oh, I gave Buddies like a five, like full up. It made me sob. Okay, okay. <laughs> wow, we both, it... both cried during movies this week. Weird. Yeah. Yeah, okay. sad, sad movie, that movie. Okay, so it's called it's called Happy Gilmore and Brick, or Two Guys Crying in Movies. That takes us out. We are now into our double feature, and the lights are going down. And Tyler, go ahead, since it's your double feature, introduce the films. The first movie is the first Adam Sandler movie I ever watched. I didn't see Billy Madison, so instead... My, what, anytime my family wanted to shut me up, they would turn on this movie, a movie about a guy who really loves hockey but has to become a golf player because he's actually really good at golf. He's got like a weird uncanny ability at it, which is from 1996, and it's Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. Ever since I was old enough to skate, I loved hockey. Wasn't really the greatest skater, though. But that didn't stop my dad from teaching me the secret of smacking the greatest slap shot. My dad worshipped hockey. My mom didn't. That's why she moved to Egypt, where there's not a hockey rink within 1,500 miles. Dad always took me to games to cheer for our favorite player, Terry O'Reilly, the Tasmanian Devil. He wasn't the biggest guy in the league, but he feared nobody, just like me. Handsome fella, huh? He always said that when I grew up, I could be anything I wanted to be, but I never wanted to be anything but a hockey player. Yeah, my childhood was going great, but life is full of surprises. After the funeral, I was sent to live with my grandma in Waterbury. I was kind of nervous since I really didn't know her that well. But she dressed like Gene Simmons from Kiss to cheer me up. She 
she's the sweetest person in the world. See, after my dad died, I developed kind of a short fuse. That kid right there just stole my party blower, and instead of asking for it back, I felt I had to belt him in the head a bunch of times with a hammer. Look at me go. But most of the time, I was quick to say I was sorry. During high school, I played junior hockey and still hold two league records. Most time spent in a penalty box, and I was the only guy to ever take off his skate and try to stab somebody. After I graduated, I had a lot of different jobs. I was a road worker, a janitor, a security guard, a gas station attendant, and a plumber. Lately, I've been working construction. It's not a bad racket. I'm a pretty good shot with a nail gun, but uh, one day my boss, Mr. Larson, uh, got in the way. Apparently, he also has a short fuse. Look at that monster. He got a few lucky punches in there, but I still feel I won the fight. Anyways, those jobs weren't for me. I was put on this planet for one reason. My fuck, baby! Don't you ever touch my fuck! Hey, Ben, when was the last time you've seen Happy Gilmore? The last time I saw Happy Gilmore, that is a wonderful question. And you know what? I think I can help you with that by giving you the tweet I wrote about this movie. A movie made at the perfect time and starring the perfect comedic actor that propelled Sandler from the world of television to the big screen. This is an all-time great 90s comedy that truly shows what you can do with a simple premise and juvenile humor. That is the perfect way to sum up this movie for me. There is so much good about this movie. And yes, it is very much not appropriate for certain things. I absolutely agree with that. The character of the girlfriend is just there. She doesn't really <laughs> do a lot. She's very cute. But like, I forgot she existed. But I'll like... say this, dude. I'll say this. My wife last night, we were watching it. We were watching it with her, and we were watching it with our good friend, Steven. Steven said, yeah, I'd bought him for Adam Sandler. And Brielle goes, oh, I'd let him fuck the shit out of me. I'm just like, what? Like, who? And I looked at him, I'm like, oh, yeah, Adam Sandler was a good-looking dude at one point, kind of. He was. This is yes. him at his best. This is the best Adam Sandler movie ever made. I will, I will argue any movie against it, and I can promise you they will come out on my side. It's perfect. He's so funny in it. There's not a single part of this movie I would cut. It's the most Adam Sandler of his let's, comedies. Let's, let's go into this. I, I want to talk about this movie in really great detail. So let's start with it. It starts off with that montage of him going from a kid who loses his parents to... I think it just like cuts to him living with his grandmother, Living right? with his grandmother, who is super sweet and nice, to him eventually trying to play hockey in school to eventually getting different jobs where it shows him just humping things or pretending <laughs> he has a giant penis, to him eventually getting fired from his construction job because he shot his boss, who plays Jaws in the James Bond movies, yeah. in the head with a nail gun. He now wants to just play hockey professionally. And that takes us up to the beginning where he's not going to be a hockey player because he's really good at golf. He, Yeah, it's like one of those things where it's like he's tried out for hockey. like It's like his 10th year in a row. And he's... And they, violent <laughs> they keep being like 
no like just hard no like you, you're not you can't <laughs> skate what's your elevator pitch for this movie how did this movie get made because lauren michaels made this movie right i don't think it was i think it was pro- it was produced by universal <laughs> lauren michaels name isn't anywhere on it no no mm. no i feel like the pitch is adam sandler plays a dirtbag and he plays golf like it's like a culture class type thing where it's a guy who's super scummy has I mean, to play this like is, golf. this is our generations most people don't know this this is our generation's caddyshack kind of pretty much like yeah. or yeah like this is as close as we get to caddyshack for our generation this is a special movie i really love this movie it's and really yeah good. i mean it, it holds up it does it does it, it's still really funny and there's there's some stuff that's inappropriate i mean Okay, so we've we've talked about it. He ha- but he's really good at golf, but he doesn't want to play golf, but he has to because the premise is his grandmother lost her house and he wants to make money to get it back. You're so on his side from minute 1 because he has the sweetest old lady grandmother. Mm-hmm. Tell us about Francis Bay. So Francis Bay was was just I was like, why do I know her? Clearly I've seen this movie a ton of times and then I realized she's worked with like David Lynch like five times. Tell us. I mean, she's in a movie we've talked about. She's in Wild at Heart. Tell us she's who in, she is. She's in Wild at Heart. She works, she's like a madam that appears. Yeah, look for, for Francis like, Bay in that movie. Go go watch that again, everyone. Yeah, but she has like a pretty big part in Twin Peaks, which is where I think most people might know her from. Yeah, yeah. Where she plays the old lady in like the cabin and with like the kid who's got the like thing on his face and the kid you're like who's that kid that kind of looks like david lynch and then you're like <laughs> it's actually david lynch's kid that kid Weird but she's stuff. also like in a ton of other things like the grifters twins like she's just like a she's like a like a person like an actor who just has like a lot of range i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you something right now and i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna blow my own mind do you know who plays the love interest yeah, I like looked it up and I was like, absolutely. I was like, is that who I think it is? That's, and it's... that's the mom from Modern Family. That's Claire. Yeah, yeah, I, Julie Bowen. I, I'm going to say this as nicely as I can. I always knew there was a reason I wanted to bang her in that show. And now <laughs> I realize it. She's the really hot woman from Happy Gilmore. Yeah. She's just gotten a little older. And now that I look at it, I go, oh, that is her. Yeah. You see it in yeah. the eyes. Like, yeah. I, I remember just, I just like, as like the movie was going, I was that's the woman from Modern Family, isn't it? Yeah, like, they're I, the... I didn't put it together till just now. Jesus yeah. Christ. Okay, so we've talked about Bay. We've talked about Bowen. That takes us to the main event, which is Adam Sandler, who, let's be honest, he was in Billy Madison. It's fine. But the problem is that Happy Gilmore is this next level thing. Billy Madison is, it's more low budget, I would say, but this feels big. Billy Madison feels more like an more indie than yes yes that's a perfect way to put it even though it if, had like if, a ten if, million dollar budget if it's Happy still... Gilmore is his Rushmore Billy Madison is his bottle rocket yes. but they're reversed in terms of good for you at least I would imagine. yes yeah I mean I yeah. like Billy Madison I'll watch Billy Madison it's not my favorite yeah but <clears throat> I mean it has some great moments Steve Buscemi alone is worth watching that movie for. I mean, the scene where he absolutely just whips a ball at a bunch of kids is... is yeah, I mean, that's, I mean that's, that's about as funny as it gets, too. But point is, Happy Gilmore is next-level funny. Yeah. And it's, it's the best he ever has been, and... I mean, in a comedy. Like we said, like we said in a comedy, yeah. I mean, he's, I mean, he's really good in Punch Drunk Love, but that's a different kind of movie. He's really good in a lot of the serious movies that he's in. Yeah. That also takes us to the person he is facing, and for every hero who is Sandler... You have to have a villain who is Christopher McDonald as Shooter McGavin. He's I mean, 
I love the, Christopher. I Cohen. mean, not since Judge Smales in Caddyshack have we had a golf villain like Shooter McGavin. The, he, his character just it fits him like a glove. Like it's just like the perfect person to play like this just fucking scumbag. He's really good. Uh, when he, every time he like makes a putt, he does like the gun thing. I just, oh my I'm god! Like, I it, hate this. It, son of it's it. something me and my friend, me and my friend Banky, will do back and forth. We'll just go like shooter like uh it, it's <laughs> when he gets at the very end where he goes two time that baby uh, and he just like throws his like putter away and he goes shooter and like you're just like and it's just so great uh okay so happy finds out he's actually really good at hitting the long ball he can, he so can he drive goes, a ball yeah he can drive a ball and it's because of his hockey swing he starts like making money at the thing hustling long ball and it's there he meets chubbs who is played by Carl Weathers in God damn it, the funniest performance of his career. And this dude has been in Arrested Development. That's that's a high bar to set. He's perfect in this movie. It's I mean, one of those things where it's just like, you need someone who is a serious actor who is like the straight man. Yeah. And he's one of the best straight men to ever <laughs> exist, in my opinion. I just, I think he's, I think he has comedic chops that people... Because he's so known for Rocky and for like Predator, that you just you don't see him dig into it as often as as Damn I would like. Damn, coming down in my prime. Yeah, he's so good. He's I mean, so good. He, okay, so here's the best part. He's a golf instructor who was on the pro tour. He gets his hand bitten off by an alligator, and so it's this one-armed golfer teaching Happy how to do it. So the two of them enter a thing which will get Happy onto the pro tour. Happy, I'm gonna skip past this because. You have to have this. Happy wins it, so he gets on the pro tour. So now it's about just earning money to buy the house back. To buy the house back that his grandmother lost. Because mm-hmm. his gram, her, if you didn't know that, her grandmother, his grandmother had lost her house. He's trying to get money to win it back. So Happy is not what you expect from a golfer. He's loud. He's mean. He does beer shots in the crowd. He signs women's breasts and he curses at the ball. He's not a golfer. He's a hockey player. He's not a golfer. That's, he's the, a hockey that's my elevator pitch. I'd be like, what if an enforcer of a hockey team had to play golf to win his grandmother's house back? Yeah. Like, what that's if, your pitch. And they go, wait, what? And you go, yeah. What if that was a movie? Like I have Adam Sandler. Yeah. What if one of the most charismatic comedians was a hockey player who was good at golf and got basically people who love to see Metallica <laughs> and La Tailgate to go see golf? <laughs> what does McGavin say? He goes, he goes, I, saw, I was trying to chip off the 14. There are two naked bikers having sex in the woods. How am I supposed to chip with that, Don? How am I supposed to chip with it? Like, <laughs> just, just loses it on the guy who's like running. And oh my God, it's such a... Here's the other thing too. This is the first time we really get to see Sandler bringing his people as well. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about this? Like, like Alan Covet, who plays his caddy, Otto, mm-hmm. is so great. He is really good he, I don't think has a, he doesn't say anything, if I remember correctly. He doesn't have a, a line of dialogue. He does at the end. What does he say at the end? He says, you getting out, man? And you hear him go, yeah. So you hear him say something. Okay. All right. Well. Yeah. And, I mean, he's his caddy. There's this moment, like, at the, it's this is how you root for him. Mm-hmm. Like, he's this guy who... Okay, here's what I want to do because we could we could go through every detail of this movie, and this will be a four hour podcast for that. <laughs> I want to I want to speed this up a little bit. It's this thing where he has to win these things, but he also has to play by the rules. And the woman who's running the PR for the thing is just this 
drop dead gorgeous Julie Bowen in her like just peak, like apex. I'm gonna say apex. That's not right. I can't say that. I just she's realized. really good looking. She's I'm not really gonna say it's her looking. apex. Like oh, I'm not gonna God. talk. I'm not gonna talk about it yeah. like that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Ooh, thanks for steering that one back on there, Tyler. She's good I was, looking. Yeah, I was not she's, gonna. She's good looking now. Gonna, yeah. No, she is good looking now. But I'm just saying, like, there is just like, I mean, just captivating about her. Like, yeah. no, she is very charismatic and like yeah. absolutely gorgeous in this film. Yes, she is, and. The movie is just him, like, going through all these different situations. Like, at one point... Okay, so here's what I want to say. We could go into detail. I want your two favorite scenes. And I want you to take the people through it, and then we'll talk about it. Okay, one of my favorite scenes is when he is at the first open, where he has, like, the Akati sign to him, and he's like, well, I'm going to carry these to my grandfather's. They're, like, super old, so... The caddy's like, what do you want me to do? <laughs> this is like, this is the caddy who's blonde, right? Yeah, this isn't Otto. Like, this is the this is no, a he's like a caddy. like a blonde or like a redhead. I can't remember, but he's blonde, like platinum blonde. <laughs> he's like also like twelve, like he's like super young. And Happy's just don't don't make me look like a fool. Just like tell me when I do something stupid. And he stands in front of the other golfer, and the other golfer's like, want to move so I can drive? And he goes over to the caddy and he's like, where were you there, dipshit? <laughs> And it's just like the kid's name is Jared Van Snellberg. <laughs> um, I will find a picture and send it to you for the notes. Jared oh, yeah. Van Snellberg was born in Vancouver, BC, Canada. He developed a strong interest in acting at a young age and had started training in various local films and theater courses at the age of 11. That's that's all good and all. Here's what I want to tell you. This kid is goofy looking as fuck. He has platinum blonde hair that's almost styled in the way of Elvis. And at one point, he's just held down by Happy because Happy's so excited, he just starts humping him. It's hilarious. And McGavin's reaction is the best. He goes, he's going to be on the tour. He's just like, just when Happy's just humping his kid into the ground. So he goes, where were you on that one, dipshit? And it's just like, so it, the way it's like cast off is so funny. Yeah. Do you want to go through that whole scene or is that one of your scenes? That is one of my scenes. Okay. And tell me, and give me your other favorite scene. My other one is just when he like, it's just the IRS agent, for some reason, just made me laugh so hard. He's like, oh, okay. you're going to hate me. Yours are early. Okay. I, I mean, I like a lot of scenes from the movie. I just really love the IRS agent because he's just he's just trying I mean, to make I mean, sure that we, he doesn't get punched. Can we talk punched. about Ben Stiller in the movie? Oh, yeah. Ben, Stiller, ben Stiller gets this role of a guy who is caring for the grandmother at the nursing facility she's living at. By the way, the Mista Mista lady, I, I just I, it slays me every time. Like, <laughs> I am howling. Got the little twisty knobs. That ain't doing it. Mister! Mister! Get this off of me! Mister! Hang on, I'll be right down! So they drive up to this facility and this woman comes up and jumps on the She's like, Mister! Mister! Get me out of here! And he just grabs Subway and goes, Get out of here! Leave us alone! <laughs> Which is a great fucking setup for subway later yeah like they, if they implant that early and then they pay it off later well, he's constantly eating subway like he brings it's home so subway great. for him and his girlfriend yeah his girlfriend's like, hey, the guy like, gave... i'm out of here yeah i think those i think those art pictures suck i'm sorry baby i didn't mean that I that's also like them finger painting pictures like he's so dumb the idea is like he's practic. he's just a juvenile man 
who like happens to figure out the one thing he's amazing at. Yeah. He just happens to find like one thing he's really, really good at. Yeah. And, and it worked. And the movie is really funny because it never lets you forget that premise. Mm -hmm. The whole thing is pretty much him golfing and anything related to golf or hockey. Like they never, they, the idea is, what if a hockey player had to play golf to win his grandmother's house back? Everything revolves around it. Every aspect of it. It never negates from it. It's really good at setup and like deliver. Okay. Um, it's it's really good at like setting up its 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 like game, and mm -hmm. then delivering on said game and like being like just a really well constructed movie. Really, honestly, yeah. like yeah, it. That's what amazed me. Is just like anything that was introduced early on gets brought back, and I just, I love I love when a comedy movie doesn't meander. It's just it's there's no fat. It's ninety two minutes. It's in. It's it out. Short. It is short. Do you do you think they let Otto stay with them at the house? Yeah, because I think Otto gets a share of the winnings. Yeah, that's fair. So like Otto's doing good at the end. He's bathing. He still has like that giant beard. His hair's combed. Yeah. Yeah, that that dude is funny. I, God, he's the other one I wanted to talk about. Well, I mean, I'm going to tell you my one of my favorite scenes. Go for it. Uh, but I'm going to talk about this guy, Alan Covet, who would later go on to be the star of Grandma's Boy. He's in Fifty First Dates, Little Nicky, The Wedding Singer. If there's an Adam Sandler movie, there's a good chance he's in it. He, he is. Yeah. yeah, he is part of the Happy Madison team. He's been in almost everything they've been in, from what I can see. I mean, what would you describe him as? Like, if this was a world, he's the character actor of this. He he's world. definitely the guy who sort of just shows up in things, and you're just like, oh yeah, he's one of those guys. Like he's yeah, he's, he's in a, this. Yeah. You you'd look him up and be like, oh my god, this dude's in everything. Yeah, everything that Adam Sandler's in, or that Judd Apatow will occasionally yes. put him in something yep. like uh, Undeclared. He yeah. was in, I think. Yep, yep. Um, okay, so I want to talk about two scenes with you. And the first yeah. one is Jackass Bob Barker. <laughs> the other one is the final 18 holes. Okay. So which one do you want to do first? Do Bob Barker. I feel like everybody knows Bob Barker. Okay. Shooter McGavin hires a guy to take Gilmore out of his game by calling him a jackass and telling him he sucks because he knows it'll rile him because he's a hockey player. And he's paired with Bob Barker. This causes Bob Barker to get mad. Bob Barker and Happy beat the shit out of each other. What do you want to say about this? Uh, it's absolutely incredible. And Bob as a Barker kid, is so up for it. He's so good in this. Personally, I used to watch Price is Right with like my grandmother all the time. That's awesome. Uh, and so seeing Bob Barker, like, I remember just being older and just being like, oh my god, that's the same Bob Barker. But it's great when a person of that level of celebrity, because there are levels of celebrity, that level of celebrity can say I am good enough to be able to make fun of myself, but use it in the great way. It's one of the most memorable fights of probably our generation in terms of a movie fight. <laughs> it, like it's up there. everyone knows Bob Barker fights Happy Gilmore and Happy gets his ass whooped by Bob Barker. Well the reason Bob Barker did it was that he is because he won. <laughs> oh really? Like, like he like read the script and he didn't think he didn't want to do it until like he read that he won the fight and then was like actually that's really funny. Like of course I'll do it. I think you've had enough. Um, yeah. And the price I is wrong. That he, I, like, I like he turns around and walks away and you see him kind of like shadow boxing a little bit. Yeah. 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 Bob, like Barker's, Bob Barker's throwing so much heat in that moment. You're just like, this is amazing. And honestly, what is held up badly about this movie before we get to the other conversation? Not a whole lot. There's no gay slurring. I mean, we can we can address that maybe the mental patient is not 
portrayed particularly well, sure. <laughs> but at the same time, it's used for comedy. It's it's obviously not a real thing. But I mean, the 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 abusing the elderly is is not great. It's not great, but Bob wins. So like, I think it kind of. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I no, think no. the fact that Bob Barker wins the fight. Well, no, no, not the abusing of the elderly. I mean, in the nursing home. Oh, the nursing home. But yeah, it's also yeah. by. A, but at, it's the, also but at by the same time, but at the same time, Grandma wins because Happy throws his ass through a window. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, like, like he, he gets yeah, his comeuppance. He, gets, he and... gets his comeuppance. Yeah. So that's not really aged badly. I mean, Shooter McGavin is not a sexist pig at any point. He talks down to her, but it's not because she's a woman. It's because he thinks he's better than her. Well, um, I mean, yeah. I mean, he's the worst thing, but he's also supposed to be the villain. So yeah, he's, he's a bad guy. I, yeah, I think everyone in it who is a bad guy has not aged in some way. People who are good guys have not aged badly. Actually, Sandler has had a pretty airtight career. I've never heard a bad word about him. My friend Greg, who you know from work, was in Vegas one time threading movies and he was up there checking on his movie and he walked over and talked to him for like 10 minutes and was super nice, apparently. That's great. I yeah, mean, I, I everything I've heard about for him. everything I've heard about Adam Sandler is that he treats the people who helped him get to where he is really well. And that's wonderful. I, a lot of his movies I do not care about, <laughs> which sucks. Oh, my God. He was in Shakes the Clown. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's one of the other clowns. OK, so back yeah. to it. Okay. So the final putt. It's amazing. I love I mean, that they set it so up. First, so he has. Okay. So sh let's talk about each guy's playing through. So Shooter McGavin landed it on that giant's foot, who is Happy Gilmore's old boss. And now he's got it onto the green. Tyler, what's he going to do next? Well, he's got to play it where it lies. Which, okay. even though doesn't quite make sense, is just we got to go with it. Yeah, so he's putted it off of his foot, and it's onto the green, and now he's going to put it in. What do you think he's going to do when he puts it in, Tyler? Uh, he's definitely going to make that gun, and he's going to point it at the he's going to point it at the hole, and he's going to go bang. And he's going. Oh my goodness! It seems that the entire facility of the broadcasting has fallen on top of the course. Now it appears that Happy has to play it where it lies. His girlfriend Veronica is advising him to putt around and then shoot him, and they'll have to go to double overtime. Happy says he's just going to do it. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> Obviously, we should just probably shut it down for the night and move that out of the way, as any normal regulated sport would do. But I guess we're going to have to... Oh, and it's bouncing. Oh, my God. It's up. It's back. It's back. It's back. What we don't know is that Happy actually went to the Happy Time golf course with Chubbs before Chubbs died, and he taught him how to putt using this earthquake one, which is exactly like this one. <laughs> Thank God that happened. And oh my god, it's in the hole. It's in the hole. <laughs> Happy Gilmore is the gold jacket. Oh, Shooter's stolen the jacket. And then we get to listen to him. You hear the sounds of the very giant man go, I believe that's Mr. Gilmore's jacket. That that giant man, by the way, is Richard Keel. He is so funny in this movie. Once again, he another is. person embracing what they are. Yeah, I mean, he used to be, he was, what? He was Jaws, right? In Moonraker? Yes, he was Jaws in Moonraker and all of the Bond movies that have had Jaws. Don't think Batista is supposed to be Jaws, is he? Who knows? He sadly has passed away. Um, oh, Batista's character? No, no, Richard Keel has. Oh, passed Richard Keel. I was like, yeah. I was like, no, he hasn't. He's still in the movies. Yeah, Batista's alive. No, no, I meant Batista's character, and I think he's yeah. supposed to be. They're pushing him as new Jaws. Uh, uh Richard Keel. Yeah, Mr. Larson in this movie. Just. Yeah. Oh, he's just... really funny. Yeah, like, he is. Just Very that moment where movie. you see Shooter running over the top of the course, trying to throw the jacket on, and he's like trying to put it on, and he gets it 
on himself. And you just see Richard Keel running after him going, I'll get you, Shooter. And you just hear Shooter trip. And you just hear the sound of punches being thrown at him. And you just hear him go, no, no. And he goes, stay still. It is one of the all-time best endings to a movie. Like, it's so good. And it doesn't stop there. It actually gets really sweet at the end because you get to see her get her house back. And it's really sweet. Yeah, and then he at the end of the day, it's actually like a really like beautiful movie. He's doing it because his grandmother lost her house. Yeah, it is a really sweet ending where he waves at Chubbs, Abraham Lincoln, and the alligator. And the alligator, who are now friends. We didn't talk about the alligator. The reason Chubbs dies is because the alligator who got his hand happy beats the shit out of it to get his ball back. And he cuts the alligator's head off, which, by the way, I want the deleted scene of Adam Sandler just sawing the head off of the alligator. (laughs) I don't know why. I want it. I'm sorry. That's a really graphic image to have in my head. They just put that in the middle of the movie and everyone's like, oh, my God. And he's like, that's right. This is your movie now. And it's also just Adam Sandler, like, doing his weird voices while he's doing it. Yeah. 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 Alligator. Uh, Yeah. But, yeah. And you're just like, like, oh, my God. And then it just says, all of a sudden, you just see the words, you know, the letter C-T-E. It's real. We were trying he, to get, and they were like, you can't do a concussion thing. And they go, why? They're like, no one's ready for that yet. Can't yeah. can't do it. I don't think people, uh, well, I mean, some people might have known about CTE at this point, but it was not on anybody's radar. Pretty much. So, I think we've kind of given this movie all it is. Everyone has seen this movie. If you have not, where have you been? Why did your parents not like you? I mean, right in. I'd love to know the person who hasn't seen Happy Gilmore. I I mean, me too. I mean, I grew up with this movie, so I definitely maybe have like more. I definitely like it a lot, a lot more than some people might coming to it now because mm-hmm. I definitely have those like childhood feelings with it. But rewatching it, I was like, oh, this is actually just like really good. I mean, what do you give it? I'm going to give it like three and a half, almost four stars. Like it's really close, but three and a half. Really? Really? Oh man, we are on way different ends of the spectrum. Uh, Four and three quarters. Four and three quarters? This is is a near perfect comedy. Like I can't think of anything to cut out, but I'm sure if I did, I could figure it out. I know there's like three comedies in this world. There's nothing you can cut out of them because they're perfect where they lie. Mm. And if we ever get to them. Okay. Yeah, we'll talk about them. I'm not going to do it here though. Okay, so, that good. Yeah. This is him at his best. This is and probably... I would, yeah. I'm not saying he doesn't have a five-star movie in him because I think Punch Drunk Love has a case to be made for it, but I'm not sure. I, there's maybe another movie uh, where he does a serious turn that I also really like. So. Which would that be? I'm trying to remember it. Hold on. What's it about? The Myrit Stories is really good, but that's not it. I just like totally have lost the... Mm, not funny people. Actually, you know what? Take it no, back. no. I'm gonna step. I'm gonna step back really quick. I don't. No. Maybe. Yeah. Punch Drunk Love is maybe where it's at. No, not funny people. Because that movie should have been funny people with a question mark. Because that wasn't. No, wasn't funny. Sorry. Dude, that movie's good. I hate that movie that so right. much. That movie's nope, fine. Nope. Nope. We're gonna. We're gonna discuss it. We'll. We'll discuss it. <laughs> All right. Maybe. We'll maybe the, this we'll is. Maybe this is the first of our series I want to do called the Great Movie Debate. Oh, maybe his. Maybe his best movie hasn't come out yet, which is Uncut Gems, which I am excited for what is uncut gems so it's it's the people who did it's the brothers who did good time yeah uh, it's the safi brothers and it's a heist movie with uh lee keith stanfield and oh, sandler plays oh. like no, a dude no, who like no, cuts gems no you sold it you sold the ticket yeah, okay. no, I'm, yeah, in. yeah. I'm in i'm in that, that sounds good you did good time i haven't even seen that and that looks amazing yeah yeah no i'll okay yeah okay yeah no yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. No, so, it looks really good 
Yeah, real will love this. Old Adam Sandler, all these people in it. Yeah, yeah old, Adam, old Adam Sandler, like, as a gangster. So you said three and a half, you said? Three and a half, almost four. I might actually bump it up to four. That's about where it lands. I really, okay. really like four? it. There's not a whole. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like I said, if we're, like, between a half or a quarter star difference, whole star is something. But I think if we're in that, it's like, yeah, we can both agree. It's good. Like, or it's bad. Yeah, I always, I, it's going to be weird when we really get far apart on something where I'm just like, uh, Like another, no. another situation like that one movie back a long time ago. It's going to happen every show, isn't it? I'm going to have to, okay, hold on. I'm going to have to try to say it. Existence. There you go. Existence. Yes, got it. Okay, we're going to do it every time until I get it right for like yeah. 12 of them. The Stens. Yes. Oh, God. Just, and you paired it with such a good movie too, The Matrix. I'm not, I'm not going in this again. Listen, nope, Ben. Nope, nope. You ben, got your time. You, you got your time to stump. this out. You got your they time to fit. stump. They work together. They're good pairing. Yeah, they are. They're like, they're like, I don't know, like bad politics and wine. Like, yeah, you're going to have fun at one point, but you're going to end up throwing up. Like, yeah, they're fine at one point, but I mean, it's going to turn on you. Okay. Oh, uh, okay. So let's see. Yeah. So yeah, four and three quarters and a four, three, 3.5. I'll give it a four. Okay. Four. Four feels yeah, right. Four, yeah. Four, four and three quarters. All right. So. Uh, the lights have come up. Everyone's stretching. Everyone's looking around. People are checking their bills, excited because this week's double feature is Happy Gilmore. And God, it's got to be something else from his youth. What? But it's a huh? Who who raised this child? Who get get this Tyler boy's mother up here? We need to talk. What what do you mean he's coming up on stage? He's gonna introduce it? Okay, I'll sit. I'll sit down. Hi. Go ahead, go ahead, Tyler. Introduce it. I remember vividly seeing the trailer for brick when i was 11 or 12 before a movie before an indie movie that my parents had rented from hollywood and just being Do you remember the name of the indie movie i have no idea i've totally forgotten about it but i remember just seeing like the trailer for brick okay. and i liked it so much i was like you, we have to rent that we have to get that and it was never available for rent but i did convince my parents to buy like a pretty cheap 15 dollars dvd from mm-hmm. me because I, I I wanted it and then I convinced them to 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 buy the movie for me and I spent the entire summer watching it. The movie was Ryan Johnson's Brick. Here's the cell number. Keep it on vibrate. Yeah. Better stop meeting me in the open too. I'm gonna start getting visible. I need you on the underneath. I'll call. Truman, the ass VP, wants work. I bet he does. Keep him off me. Stonewall him. You won't bite. Just keep him away from me. I'll try. So what's first? Make Em's troubles mine. Emily said four words I didn't know. Tell me if they catch. Brick? No. Or bad brick? No. Tug? Tug. Tug might be a drink. Like milk and vodka or something. Poor Frisco? Frisco. Frisco Far was a sophomore last year. Real trash. Maybe he had a class a week. Didn't know him then. Hadn't seen him around. Pin? Pin. The pin? The pin, yeah. Pin's kind of a local spook store. You know the kingpin. I've heard it. Same thing. Supposed to be old, like 26, lives in town. Dope runner, right? Big time. See, the pin pipes it from Lois Scrapper to Brad Bramish himself. Maybe. I mean, ask any dope right where the junk sprang, and they'll say they scraped it off that, who scored it off this, who bought it off so, and after four or five connections, the list always ends with the pin. But I bet you, you got every rat in town together and said, show your hands if any of them actually seen the pin, and you get a crowd of full pockets. You think the pin's just a tail to take whatever heat? Mm. But what's first? Show of hands. I 
want to start with the first thing you said because that's the most important thing you said because that was top of your mind. That was the thing you needed to say. Your parents got a movie that you saw this trailer attached to. It's mm-hmm. very funny you say that because in a way, this is similar to mine. I was working at the movie theater. If you were upstairs, you were a projectionist. The world was your oyster. And you were able to run the films and you were able to pretty much when you weren't doing anything, you could either sit in the office and work on something that you were doing or practically fucking just bring a laptop up there and watch movies, which I did frequently. (laughs) My point being is I remember watching a movie called Paradise Now. Have you seen this? I don't think so. Talk about it while I look it up. Paradise Now is a movie from Israel. It is about two people who are going to strap suicide vests to themselves and blow up a bus. I have not seen that, no. This is one of the most heartbreakingly beautiful movies of all time and has one of the most heartbreakingly beautiful trailers of all time. That being said, this movie that I saw, Paradise Now, had a trailer attached to it and it was called Brick. And all of a sudden, nothing else in my life, my friend Will's life, my friend Gabe's life, my friend Duncan's life, all of us who worked at the theater mattered because we saw this trailer and we said, that's going to be fucking amazing. And we weren't wrong. Brick is one of the best movies I have ever seen. It is the best movie I saw that year, bar none. I want that's... you to go through this at your pace. Tell me what you want to talk about. That's all I have to really need to say on it. It's, it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. It's the first movie from a guy who has blazed a very fascinating path as a filmmaker. I remember seeing it for the first time and just being like, I need to follow whoever this yes. director is. Yeah, I will follow this director for the rest of my life. Like, yeah. that's how good this movie is. This is the return of Joseph Gordon-Levitt, even though he never really went anywhere because he worked for years on that show. This is, <laughs> this, is him, this is him. Yeah, this is him showing, I'm a fucking serious actor. Take fucking notice of me. I mean, granted, he did Mysterious Skin I was like, gonna bring before yeah. this. But that I mean, this is fun. this is the more accessible movie. Oh, that movie. People still weren't down with Mysterious Skin at that point. We will eventually talk about Mysterious Skin because that so, movie fucking oh, rules. Yeah, it's it's a really tough movie to watch, too. <laughs> That's, yeah, I don't want to talk about that. Now. I'm in a really good mood. I want to talk about Brick. Take us through it. Give us the elevator pitch of Brick. OK, we're on floor one, floor two. Takes about 30 seconds and go. What if a noir took place in high school? OK. That's, that's, that's my yeah. entire pitch. Yeah. What if a noir? It's a noir movie set at the high school level. It's a fucking it's brilliant. A brilliant idea. Yeah. God. And, and it's not it's not played for fucking laughs. It's no. fucking, it's fucking serious. And man, I watched it yesterday. And my God, I've, I've seen this movie. How many times do you think you've seen this movie? Oh, like probably like oh, 12, 13, 14, I, probably, 15, somewhere probably, in there. I mean, I don't I'm going to say maybe 12. It's just this movie that fucking works on every level. And I think it caught both of us at the perfect time. Mm -hmm. I was clearly a little younger. I was like in middle school. You were in middle school, but that's that's kind of perfect, actually. Yeah, I know. Because it's almost this like cautionary tale for middle schoolers. Yeah, I was like, fuck, high high school school rules. (laughs) High school's going to be amazing. I can't wait to get that Jake on the street. And they're like, like, do you know what Jake is? You're like, no, I'm sorry. Uh, I'll be over here. Whereas I was maybe just getting out of high school. And I was like kind of starting to like cultivate the idea of living on my own. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is this is exactly what high school wasn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that place. Sorry. Hope the hope of some kid in middle school doesn't think this is poor little bastard. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm so disappointed. Yeah, this is 
a perfect movie. And let's start with what it's all about. There is a guy named Brendan who is your detective. Mm. And every character is playing someone else, too. Yeah. Like, they're playing a role. Brendan is your hard-nosed private eye, who probably, if you want to guess, in the sense of a private eye, probably was a cop at one point, but now struck out on his own, would be my guess. He was definitely, like, the school definitely leaned on him for information. But uh, we're talking about him as a private eye. and if I think maybe now he's a private eye now, but yeah. more, more so. He is a kid at high school, and he there is, of course, with every great detective movie, there's a beautiful blonde, mm-hmm. and there's a captivating brunette. Mm-hmm. And um, the brunette's the femme fatale, and the blonde's the... Of course, and the blonde is the doe-eyed innocent. And there's this woman who was Brendan's girlfriend in high school. She would, of course, be the woman who's in trouble who comes to him at the beginning of the case, mm-hmm. who says she's someone, but she isn't, but... Someone name, from the past yeah, with a dark Her name history. is Emily, and that's played by Emily DeRaven, which I'm going to say it. Emily DeRaven in this is just striking. There's, mm-hmm. It's not even hot. It's striking. Like, she has those beautiful blue eyes, and when she cries, like, it's just, it's mm-hmm. perfect. It's both, this, movie, this movie caught people at the right time. Yeah, it's very much like, whoa, who's that? What's her story? She's his girlfriend, and she's scared of something he gets a phone call from her by the way pay phones a lot in this movie only thing that might not have aged as well i yeah i'm wondering if if i showed this to someone who who's like in middle school now they'd be like what is that and I'd be like oh this is how people used to call each other before cell phones existed because yeah, uh, it, but it works too like yeah it that forces the movie to move as well so she calls him one day and she's really scared and he doesn't see her again until later on, and he knows she's wrapped up in something bad. It, and they talk like it's a noir movie. It kind of feels like a Dashiell Hammett novel. I don't know if mm-hmm. you've ever read Dashiell Hammett. He wrote uh, Red Harvest. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love Red Harvest. I I pray for the day they give Red Harvest to some young, hungry director. Don't give it to some young, hungry director. Give it to the Coens. <laughs> like, really? That's not They would cool. kill so, it. Let me ask you this. Would that be their Magnolia? Uh, yeah, that would probably just be. just get to do like a big cast? Huge cast, yeah. Red Harvest rules. If you haven't it's read Red of, Harvest, I haven't read it in years, but I remember reading it and just being like, "Why has this one not been a movie? Like, come on!" It's just it's so long, like, and there's a wrong, lot of Maltese, plot. Maltese Falcon is a classic. Like, you read that, you know you're you're reading something that maybe God Himself wrote. That's Even, that's how good that move that is. The Thin Man's also really good. I'll the I'll stand really, yeah, for the I Thin mean, Man movies. They're really fun. Oh yeah, I mean, you The Big Sleep. The dude is multi talented. Rick is this movie that fucking just has the ability to capture this dialogue but not make it seem stupid it would feel stupid in any other movie but because of ryan johnson and the way it's shot every time they say something you're like i want to know more like it just it's so propulsive and it moves so well that you're just like i want to see where this goes even on like your third or fourth or in my case like 15th time watching this movie yeah i agree it's it's just it's absolutely perfect. He tries to figure out what's going on. He asks around and she being the beautiful blonde, the doe-eyed innocent is killed. Mm. And it's now up to him and his friend who's played by Matt O'Leary called the Brain or Brain as he calls him. Yeah. Which I have an argument to make I don't think the Brain exists. I do. I there's one time that they shatter it which I think was an error on their part, which is the part where he says, she roughed me up a little bit. Like you hear the brain talk about someone else talking to him. Mm-hmm. 
But I just, I, there's an argument I feel like could be made for it. I, I mean, I understand the argument. I know that argument exists. I mm-hmm. dis, I don't believe it because I he actively asks the brain to do something at the end of the movie. And like in order for his plot yes, to you're right. out, you're right. the brain Never has mind. to exist. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. You've argued this enough to where I'm like, you know what? He's got it. Listen to okay. me. I've seen this movie a lot. <laughs> so Matt O'Leary, the brain, and Joseph Gordon-Levitt start on the case. And the case mm-hmm. is who put her in front of the gun. And yeah. this first takes him to what I'm going to say is the best returning joke. And, and because this movie is very funny in some ways. It is. It's, and it's yeah. this is the mark of a great movie. A great movie can be both serious and funny at times. Mm-hmm. And there's this character he keeps going to called Kara. And the way I would position her in a noir is this. If there are two gangs in town, the Brad Bramish gang is the upper rich side gang. And the Kara gang is the slumming it, like, lower-end gang. I Neither I, one can defeat the other, but they're just on different sides of the tracks. It's true. I think it's more Brad Bramish is the jocks and upper crust. And yeah, exactly. Popular kids, and, and, Kara, and Kara is theater kids. But they both deal. Is they both deal. And they're and both gangs, in a way. They but are. The thing is... They're dealing to different people. Like Kara's exactly. dealing to like loners, yeah. outsiders, outsiders, goths. and Brad Framish is going like for like big time clients. So point being is he goes to Kara, who by the way has this great moment where he sits down, and he goes, Kara, and she goes, Brennan, he goes, Lapdog, blow, and this kid lifts his head up out of her lap. <laughs> there, by the way, in the background, a play is going on. The yes. rehearsals for a play is going on, and it's just fantastic. They do this joke like four times. Yes. And it's, it's so good. It's and, very funny. And he says, lapdog, blow. And there's just a kid in her lap, some freshman, who, like, I think she's supposed to be a senior, if I'm guessing. I would imagine, yeah. Yeah, I think they're all supposed to be seniors, unless it's someone else is specified. Yeah. The idea is, she, he goes, get out of here. And, and she goes, stay. And he goes, I want to talk to you, and I don't want him around. She goes, why don't you run and go get my shoes? Go ahead. And, like, she claps her hands, and, like, he just runs off. I'm just like, Jesus Christ. She is some sort of old school femme fatale who, like, but is a little past her prime. Like, I wouldn't say past her time. But, she, but, but here's the fucked up thing. She's played by Megan Good. You look at Megan Good and you, that girl going to be a star. Like that yeah. girl is going to be a fucking star. And she was. Like Megan Good had a good run of films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you find out that she knows that Emily DeRaven's character got uh, into something bad and she was killed. Yeah, she was whacked. Yeah, and <laughs> we know that that someone was driving a large muscle car and flicked a cigarette out the window. That's yes. all we know, because Brendan saw that. Yes, the cigarette also had an arrow pointing, which I feel like has got to be a reference to some movie. I feel like a lot, this movie has like just chock full of noir references. Yeah. To the brim, yeah. I, I don't know, I just feel like it's there, and I, I'm not catching we... them, but I know they're there. No, no, I know, I know, I feel the same way. And we realize that... Who is driving that car is, I mean, how do we want to, how do we, I mean, if you guys haven't seen this, please stop listening and go watch it. It's a really good movie. Well, it's the car of Tug, who is like the local heavy of this guy called The Pin. Yeah. So, uh, he's played by Lucas Haas. By the way, can we agree that Tugger and The Pin are in two very different movies? Very different movies. <laughs> so Tugger is playing it like a 1950s noir movie with the over-the-top muscle ape, whereas <laughs> the pin is playing something else very differently. The- and no offense to Lucas Haas and 
Noah Fleiss. These two are both doing it exactly the right way. Oh, they're hitting what they want to do. It feels like the pin just, he saw the man who fell to earth and was like, what if I was an alien? I really like to look <laughs> at this from the perspective of professional wrestling. Lucas Haas's character is almost the Miz, if you will. The conniving like one, whereas Lucas Haas is just the big, dumb, like not John Cena, but like Randy Orton. Yeah, the type like, of guy. How who... great is it that Lucas, or how great is it that Tugger's people all dress like him? Yeah, I love it so much. It's I mean, so all good. The pin people, everybody—they look like they're fucking in Interpol, like they're in black shirts and black oh my pants. God, it's so great. So it's Noah. So funny. So before that, we also meet the Femme Fatale, which is Nora Zehen Zehen Zehenter Zehenter Zehen Zahetner. Oh, Zahetner um, plays Laura, who is the girl who is the friend of Brad Bramish. So we talked about the lower class people in Kara. The higher class is Brad Bramish. Tell us about yes. Brad Bramish and his crew. Brad Bramish is probably, a, I want to say, like a football player or a basketball can I ask, player. Can I ask you something? Yeah. You can't go crying to Brad Bramish if he uh, isn't put in the game, right? <laughs> no, no, you can't. You can't, you can't. Why, why, Brad why is that? Because what happens if we put Brad Bramish in the game? We win the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I, he's a, he's a football player. I have the feeling he isn't very good. And I feel like he, he talks a big game, but he's not. Oh, you don't think very... he's good? I think he's good. He's just fucking up so bad with this drug stuff. They can't oh, let maybe. him play. Yeah. That's why I look at it. it. Like the coach comes crying to him. He's like, don't come crying to me. You could have put me in the game. You don't want to do it because I'm part of this drug world. Like yeah, that's the way not. I look at it. That does make sense. But he does get yeah, the this shit is like, kicked out of him. This Brandon. almost would be the equivalent of, do you remember the movie We Own the Night? Yes. This is Joaquin Phoenix's character to yes. Robert Duvall's character. The coach is Robert Duvall. Joaquin Phoenix is Brad Bramish being like, don't come crying to me. I'm making a living through this. I don't care if you're cops. That's your thing. This is De Niro and Pacino in Heat. This okay. is you, you do this, I do that. Like, sorry, but that's how it does. That makes sense. Several I... analogies there to get to Brad Bramish and his coach. Me trying to prove, no, Brad Bramish is good at what he does. I will say, Nora... Now, that being said, Brad Bramish takes the best Superman punch I've ever seen oh someone God, outside so of good. Roman Reigns throw. Oh, so um, good. He takes that so hard on the chin, and man, does he sell for Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh, it's so funny when he just, like, runs so, out of... So, he gets invited... Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character is tracking this shit down. He gets invited to a Halloween party in January. Yes. Because uh, rich kids... Because rich kids would do shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> At that time, they would. It's a good time capsule piece. <laughs> that Laura is throwing. Yes. I will say, real quick, sidebar. Nora was in another film I watched a lot when I was young uh, called 50 Pills. I have never met anybody who's ever seen that movie. I am kind of half certain it doesn't exist. I watched that movie like four or five times. I've never met anybody who's ever seen it. I've never heard of it. But Maybe she's in it. Liar. <laughs> I, mean, I can look this up right now. I'm at her filmography. Continue. It's, it's real. Uh, <laughs> sure it is. Sure it is. Um, I think, unless I didn't totally have a fever dream. Anyway, she kind of like sequesters him into like their own little room, and he like first. That's like when they first meet. Essentially, you get the feeling that she knows more than she's leading on. She's kind of playing dumb, and he then after that he goes to Dode, which is the last character we should probably introduce, which is Noah yes. Segan, who yes, you would Noah know Segan. if you've seen any other Ryan Johnson film. He is that guy. He just shows up in every single one of them. So is JGL, though. True. Yeah, JGL has been, I think, in every one of his movies. And Looper. He wasn't in The Brothers Bloom, I don't think. No, he is. He's a bar patron. He's uncredited. Uh... Yeah, you see him walk out of the bar after their first score, the one that we come in at the end on. Uh... Okay, well, um, you know. 
Never mind. <laughs> I haven't seen the Brothers Balloon since it came out, so. Dode is if there is if there are people who are using, I would say, if there is a third gang to this, Dode is the king of the people who are using. He is the king of the stoners, but I, they feel like more than stoners. <laughs> and stay out, man! By the way, best delivery from a guy. <laughs> so he, I mean, uh, here's, how, here's how I actually wrote about Dode. For every noir movie, you need a guy to slap around, and that's Peter Lorre. Yeah. And Dode is Dode is is this movie's Peter Lorre. Yeah, <laughs> very I much. So. Notes for this. Why didn't I fucking go to those? We I don't school. know. First of all, the star football player dressed as Caesar. This is where we first meet Brad Brandish. That is such a funny joke. I love the idea that oh, this yeah. kid doesn't know that Caesar's not a good. Like he doesn't realize Caesar is a bad person. <laughs> okay. Oh, I want to talk about this too. Party in the introduction of the femme fatale. I, I actually uh, wrote this down. Okay. Uh, this is the poem she reads. rays are all ablaze with ever-living glory does not deny his majesty he scorns to tell a story he don't exclaim i blush for shame so kindly be indulgent but fierce and bold and fiery gold his glory's all effulgent i mean to rule the earth as he the sky we really know our worth the sun and i Observe his flame, that placid dame, the moon's celestial highness. There's not a trace upon her face of diffidence or shyness. She borrows light that through the night mankind may all acclaim her. In truth to tell, she lights up well, so I for one don't blame her. Ah, pray make no mistake, we are not shy. So she says, the sun whose rays are all ablaze with ever living glory. I think she's talking about the pin. Mm. She then says, do not deny his majesty. He scorns to tell a story, which means he's not treating her well. He says, he don't exclaim, I blush for shame. So kindly be indulgent, which means she listened to his bullshit. He says, but fierce and bold in fiery gold, his glory all effulgent, which means he gets me the things I need. I mean to rule the earth as he the sky, which means... I think I'm going to rule this high school, essentially. And she says, we really know our worth, the son and I, which means like me and the pen understand each other. I'm essentially number two and I'm looking to become number one. This whole thing, I think, sets up what her eventual goal is for the movie. I mean, it's very clear from like the get go that you know that she's... She's not to be trusted. And he yeah. knows it. And he fucking knows it. And he says it to her. He's like, yeah, I, know, he I says, don't trust I you. I can't trust you. And by the way, the delivery of dialogue back and forth in this movie is stunning. It is. 
I actually know something about that. He had, instead of having them watch a bunch of, like, noir films, he had them watch The Apartment and My Girl Friday and, like, those, like, screwball that's comedies. Good. That's good. No, that's like, how the dialogue's really quick. And he's like, I want to emulate this. Like, this, like, yeah. really paced. No, that's, that's really smart. I mean, that's why the, the line, coffee and pie. Yeah. Coffee yeah. And pie. Oh, oh my God. So when they get to the coffee and pie to find Dode, which is where we'll cut this back in with Dode, <laughs> they have this moment where Dode is there and there's this guy pulling on a straw, right? Mm-hmm. He's Making going, this like whistle noise. <laughs> yeah, that. The Brendan grabs the straw and takes it away and then he talks to Dode. He puts the straw back in the guy's mouth and it's twisted. It's such a great metaphor for the twisting of the arm that's about to come. Yeah, exactly. Ryan Johnson sets up little jokes that are funny if you understand what he's doing. This movie's just really good. It is. <laughs> this is all I need to say about Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Cool is the other side of the pillow. Yeah, this is probably of this era of Justin Gordon Levitt. Probably his, well, Mysterious Skin I really like too. But this is probably I, his. I, I have such a hard time watching it. It has to be this. Like, okay. This, yeah. yeah. This is my, th- I mean, and I think the next one's Inception. Like, I think, I think if you're building his Mount Rushmore, I think that has to come next. I mean, Looper is also on there. Looper. Oh, shit. You know what? Yeah. I would take out Inception for Looper. Yeah, uh, uh, I might even throw in like Premium Rush because I'm, I'm. Premium mean, Rush but... is a, is a wacky movie. That's a <laughs> good Michael, movie. Yeah. Honestly, you can just say, look, you might not think it's his best, but he gets to be up against Michael Shannon. Another, so, another yeah. actor I absolutely love. And oh, yeah. yeah. Watch the Oscars from a bar two years ago. Good for him. <laughs> I feel I feel bad about him. He just he's sort of fallen off in recent years. Yeah, uh, there's so not a whole lot this, down on the pipeline. This leads Brandon to see Emily DeRaven's character, the blonde, for the last time, uh-huh. and she says, "You got to let me go. Nothing bad's gonna happen. Don't worry about me." He can't do it because he's the hero of this movie. He's the straight laced, but I mean, guy who's willing to bend the rules, but always will do the right thing in the end. Guy, mm-hmm. and I yeah. How much do you think she knows that she's done and she's just trying in to term, spare in him? terms of in terms of death? Yeah. I mean, she does this thing where she says, you have to let me go. You have to stop blaming yourself. She said, I made this choice. She's really letting him off the hook. Like she's pretty mm. much saying none of this is your fault. I made this mistake. She said, I really loved you, but you did this thing that I couldn't forgive. I, I think she's pretty self-aware of it. Because I think that the thing that causes it has been so well set up, which we have to talk about Laura in that sense. Mm -hmm. Something has been set up so well that it was going to happen no matter what. She's pretty self-aware. She's trying to let Brendan off the hook. And it's after this that he goes to try to find her. And someone tells him that that she's like in this place and he or he dreams it or something because he kind of dreams. He finds a note and the note is like an a uh and it just says midnight underneath it i think yeah and then that midnight he essentially has a dream where he sees her walking out of the tunnel but and then like a bag comes from or not like a bag but like a, like the water comes from the tunnel and it like washes oh. over him essentially by the way i want to talk about one thing i read i saw this i tried to go to imdb to look up some interesting stuff about this the score of this movie is fucking incredible it's super good yeah, and oh my god. Oh, apparently he used the influence to shoot this movie. He used spaghetti westerns and mm-hmm. it was Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy Bebop. It's fucking amazing. Yeah, he he, they, he based oh. he based the way Brandon stares and like his hair and 
all that stuff off of uh, Spike Speed. It's so funny. It's so funny because it's yeah. perfect for the time. Like, yeah, it that makes a lot been of that sense. kid in high school. It so would have <laughs> been. He eventually like, finds her and she's dead and now he has to figure it out and he goes to the party like we said he then eventually finds emily de raven's character who he can't trust he finds her outside he sees her talking to someone that leads us to tugger and the pin and tugger is the muscle of the pin we said that before and the pin is the big dope runner and he's older he's not in high school we're pretty sure the pin is oh uh, he's i think they say he's like he's old he's like 26 which makes yeah, okay. him fucking yeah. old <laughs> but he's the local dope runner and we we think it's heroin right it's heroin yeah yeah they're really upfront about that too yeah no you, i think if you know drugs you know brick that's a heroin break yeah. so the two of them run the drug scene into this school and they use people for it brad bramish and they also i think use kara well i think kara is also kind of like low-key a dealer but um, oh so you think she's distributing I think she might be a dealer, but more of like magic mushrooms and stuff like that. And like I don't think I don't think her I don't think her crowd would do heroin. I think her yeah, fair enough. Okay, so you like think she's doing kids. you think she's doing like weed and magic mushrooms stuff like that? Yeah. And um, okay, and then like the upper crust are doing like coke and heroin. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so they're separate, but they know they're there. Okay, fair enough. They don't fucks with each other. Pin is this dope dealer, and I mean Lucas Haas playing the least intimidating human, and yet somehow the most terrifying human. Since, like, Frank from Blue Velvet. Like, you say he's not intimidating. I think he's incredibly intimidating, but not, like, physically. He's not imposing, like Tug is. Oh, see, um, he's not. But there's that There's that beautiful shot of when Brendan puts on his glasses and he sees him. And it's, like, this real long shot. Like, he's almost in, like, a far corner. And, like, it almost makes gives him this almost, like, Nosferatu, like, big shadow but standing up on his own like kind of thing going like he looks really big it almost feels like you're looking at him like from up oh yeah yeah they shoot him from like uh the waist down essentially yeah there's some really beautiful stuff in here like lynch lynch is a definite influence in a couple of these scenes i feel like i would say yeah they really like i think the house is mm -hmm. kind of lynchian like where where the pin sort of hangs out yeah the reason he was brought there is because he fought Brad Bramish. We talked about that earlier, too. He not only fought Brad Bramish, he also, like, tracked Tug down. and like. Oh, yeah, he tracked Tug down, and he was going to put a rock <laughs> through his... He was going to put a cinder block through his car. And by, Tug the way, was... <laughs> by the way, Brandon takes two of the most horrific beatings and still comes out on top. Yeah. Like, yeah. the Brad Bramish one, he gets such a good first punch, but then he has to really kick that dude in the shins. He, he beats the shit out of him, though. He, like, he oh, keeps he does. hitting oh, he does. him in the and, shins. And I, I wrote this down. I said, that's why you don't turn away from your opponent until they're either dead or unconscious. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's all you have to do. Like, And that's also why you don't... don't yeah. You don't step over them like that because they will just kick you in the fucking shins. Yeah, exactly. They'll take your, your legs out, yeah. man. You need and those. And the pin now wants to talk to him and he says, like, I want to help you, which is not him doing that. He's just trying to gather information on who put this Emily DeRaven character in the crossfire. Uh-huh. And it's it's a really beautiful thing because it's a fucking noir movie, but it's fucking set in high school. I mean, that's, yeah. that's really what I can say about yeah. it. it. It has the melodrama of a teen movie, but it has that, like, that thing that you want from a good noir, which is, like, a really, really good mystery. Mm -hmm. And I think it pays that off very well. I don't know. Every time I watch it, I'm just like, yeah, the movie's still really good. I still love this movie. Yeah. What is your favorite scene in this movie? Man, okay. When the whole him at the pin's house, like, that whole scene where they, oh, like... Oh, with the he, mother? Like, like, where they sit down at the, at the table. Okay. Perfect. He, okay. So, and, like... 
Okay. And like Tug, he goes like, "I've seen you smoking." Tug goes, "I don't smoke cigarettes." Oh wait, wait, no, that's a, that's, that's a different a line. No, that's Sorry. at Tug's yeah. house. That's at Tug's house. Yeah, no, that's a different the line. T- no, the whole thing. No, I'm, I'm right. I, I'm not. I'm right. But the, the thing I wanted to You're say, t- I like the house part. And then okay, that's, so that's, the two, so the two houses, yeah. the house of Tug and the house of the pin. Yeah, both of those are um, really good. Okay, so let's talk about let's talk about those two, and then I want to talk about the final scene on the ball field. Yes. So the house of the pin. We go from him being down in this creepy ass basement where there are, by the way, like seven to eight guys just ready to go. Yeah. And waiting outside for instruction or perhaps counsel. We don't really know. Is the pin the godfather? Who knows? But he comes in and sets him down. And the pin then has like asked some questions and calls him soldier, by the way, which I think is a really nice touch. That's a good nickname. And then Tugger, he tells him, I'm not going to do it. Um, I'm not going to do it. And Tugger says, you're not going to do what? Like, he holds him down. And, like, you start to see that Tugger's a little unhinged. If both Brendan and Tugger went over to whatever war was supposed to be set, like, let's say World War II, Tugger came back a little off. And mm-hmm. Brendan came back okay. Because they'd probably be both about the same age, it looks like. Yeah. I think Tugger does maybe go to the school I feel like that could be. I feel like he's a little younger. But the pin is older, and the pin, eventually, he wakes up, and they bring him upstairs. And we get to realize that the pin, yes, he is this horrible mastermind gangster. He also lives at home with his mother. Yes. And he also has, like, a like a foot thing. Like, his foot's been... He, he has a cane, yeah. He's, like, something happened to his leg. He also has a boot on his foot, and I, I, I can never figure out what... He, what has happened? Like you know, something bad happened. He's like, he's Sydney. He he's the Sydney Green Street of this. Yeah, yeah the yeah, Maltese yeah. Falcon. Yeah, he's Sydney Green Street's character. He's the rich business guy who's not on the up and Walter Houston's character from Chinatown. Okay, but he's also a businessman. Like, and he's making. I mean, he's the kingpin. Like that's mm-hmm. what he is at a high school level who lives with mom. The moment where she goes, I thought we had apple juice, Brendan. I'm sorry. Doesn't question that this kid looks like he's just had the shit kicked out of him. <laughs> just comes over and gives him like apple juice and a little country glass with cornflakes. The pin is eating a cookie. And I think Tug has like a glass of milk. It's an amazing moment where it's like, oh, you realize like, oh, yeah, these are kids. Everyone in the scene is a kid minus the pin. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And I love how she goes, OK, honey. And she comes over and kisses the pin on the cheek. She goes, I'm going to go in the other room and like, just and you're like, wait, what? Aren't you going to ask yeah. why they just dragged this kid up from the basement? There's like, another great moment where it's like, it's in the climax when they're like having the meeting and she's just going around giving everyone water. Oh my God. It's so good. And it's, it's like, it's like a small, like little shot. It it's is. definitely one of those things where it's like, it's, you're it's making a, a movie it's and you're a running out of time. Like it's going back to Kara, who it every is. time gets more and more ridiculous. But it's it is one of those things where it's, if you're if you're making a movie and you're running out of time, it's like the first thing you cut because <laughs> it's like we don't need this setup. It's like way too many people. But like I love the fact that they're like this little like three second throwaway shot. <laughs> we need it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's really good. It's it's also I'll I'll point to another one when he goes back to Kara. And Kara is now wearing like the Kabuki makeup because I think she's supposed to be doing Miss Saigon. Because every time you see Kara, she's doing a different play, it looks like. Yeah. And I think she runs the drama department, it feels like, too. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. So, and like she's in a Kabuki mask, like makeup. 
And she's also in a kimono. And she goes, Brendan, did you hear about Dode? Did you hear about him? And, and he goes, and he, I'm not here for that, Karen. And, and she goes, can you, I just, I gotta, can you go get my purse? And a guy comes up from her lap again. It fucking pays it off so well. Like they do it with the mom. They do it with Kara. Like this movie cares about secondary characters. Oh, it's so it's, good. It's so, so good. So the pin's house is that. That's where you establish the relationship of the pin, Tugger, and Brendan. Because yeah. now he's on the inner circle with them. I mean, I think it also establishes the pin as someone who ha- who is very much like soft at heart because he still loves looking with his mom and like his mom, like he tries to keep his mom in the dark, but like clearly his mom knows. And it's also it seems like it might be like a poorer part of town, like even though he is like running heroin, he's clearly still like very small time. And I think that's like a really neat touch is to be like, so no, you're everything saying, you're saying this is a man who had to embrace the criminal life, not unlike Vito Corleone for the American dream. Yeah. I think it's one of those things where it's like, I he's, don't think he's he not taking work. more. He's not taking more than enough to like, just make sure his mom can do it and like run this kind of like business. Like he's, yeah. it's just that business happens to be drugs and that's very illegal. Exactly. I don't think he's like, I mean, you see, he has like a cane. Like he can't really walk. He's he can't. That's what Tugger's himself. there for. Tugger's his muscle. Exactly. That's the genius of it. As say what you will about him, but like Peter Lorre, if he got the drop on you, was fucking Sidney Greenstreet's muscle, and that's what Tugger yeah. is. He's just a more Jack mid two thousands version of him. The only thing is, Tug's um, too dumb to run his own thing. Like Tug couldn't be the yeah. pin because Tug's too stupid. No, exactly. And Tug is, and that takes us to the other scene you want to talk about, Tug's house, which is if the first one is the coming together of the three, the pin, Tugger, and Brennan. This is the shattering of the three. Mm-hmm. Which, because now it's all out war. Tugger mm-hmm. has killed Dode, who was Emily DeRaven's boyfriend ish, and thinks that Emily, we find out at this point, by the way, Emily DeRaven's character was pregnant. Yeah. And we find out that Dode thinks it's his, but it might be Tugger's. All this is according to Laura. Yeah. And what we find out is Tug hit her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and I don't good. think it's, I don't, I'm not blaming Tugger 100%. I'm saying that there is a thing that happens later in the movie, which we will discuss, that sets it off. But at the same time, he's just kind of a wild animal. He can't he's, control his motion. Are we led to believe he did it? Did what? He killed her? Yeah. Okay. That's what I wanted to make sure. Because there's that scene where he's sitting in the bathroom when Joseph Gordon-Levitt's like laying in the bed. Yeah, Tug, I think, did it. I think that's why, Okay. spoiler, he pins the murder on Tug. So we find out that Tugger did, but I, you don't really blame, I blame Tugger, but at the same time, it's like, he was just a wild animal. He was the guy who came back from the war a little off and just one day kind of snapped. Like, I that's mean, how I look at this character in the noir sense. I do. Don't, you know, don't fucking hurt women. Like, No, no, I'm not saying you should. I'm not saying you should. But to make this story work, that woman has to die. Uh, sadly, yes, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it sucks, but that's the story doesn't go forward unless you have this death because he doesn't have anything to care about. No, but Tugger is this monster, and this is where you find out, and Brendan kind of sets up the final play. And the final play is to get Tugger and the pin together. They are going to squash the beef and go their separate ways. Everything will be fine. No one retaliates against the other. Yeah, and his um, whole thing is he's going to have the brain call and say that there's a brick call the, in... Call the bulls. Call the Bulls, which is the police. Which is the police, which, by the way, his vice principal is played by Richard Roundtree. Shaft him fucking self. That's so good. And anyway. he's so great. That, well, well this, sidebar, I'm going to put this at the end, actually. The scene where Richard Roundtree and him 
talk about um just have that back and forth and it's clearly like a cop's like lieutenant being like you're killing me out there i had to do 15 pages of paperwork you took out four cars and he's like it's all right chief don't worry got the bad guy he goes you blew up two city blocks like that's how it feels <laughs> that's how it feels for like yeah. for that but yeah it, that, richard roundtree is going Damn it, Brendan! You're a loose cannon cop. <laughs> but you're a goddamn you get results. Like but yeah, he comes. Results. He comes in at the end. He goes. He goes. Oh, damn it, Brendan! You are reckless. You are out of control. But let me tell you something, Brendan. You've goddamn get results. And like he just <laughs> shakes his hand. So back to it. The pin and Tugger are gonna squash the beef, and they are gonna go their separate ways. Things don't go well. No. And uh, it's because opposite. they can't find the last brick, which Brendan has taken. No. Oh, that's no. right. No, no, that's right. The last brick, which has gone missing, which we find out Laura took, and we will find out yeah. why in a second. Brendan wants to do it without any bloodshed. He wants the cops to show up and arrest everybody and just, like, yes, end exactly. everything. Yeah, take um, down this whole syndicate. Just, like, take ev- like, just everything, washes away. That does not happen because the brick has been stolen. It becomes a question of who screwed who, and yeah. Tug says, I didn't screw you. The pin says, you did this because it was bad. Which is what also, like, Emily DeRaven's character had bad stuff in her. Well, because so, like, it killed the kid we never meet, Frisco, um, or puts so. him in a coma, so... Well, he's the body in this noir. Yeah. There has to be a body. So, how do I put this? It all pops know. off. It all pops off, and Brendan gets out, and there's this moment at the end where he has this moment with Emily DeRaven's character on the football field, who... Not Emily DeRaven. No, no, I'm sorry, not Emily DeRaven. She's dead. I'm sorry, uh, Laura's character, the brunette on the field and the two of them talk and she says, were you there? And he goes, I saw it all. And she says, it's over. And he goes, not quite. And he kind of lays the rap on her and accuses her of being the one to get Emily DeRaven's character killed the blonde. It feels very much like, I don't know if you've ever read the first Raymond Chandler novel, the big sleep. I think it's called. I've, I've seen the big sleep and I've read it. Yeah. The book it has this weird moment where like he has to the the private eye has to tell the person who did well, it like well you know who else everything. did this ace ventura yeah i think yeah. any i think a lot of noirs watch watch the ending scene of ace ventura where he accuses the person who's bad that's exactly what this is except it's done in a much more dramatic way mm-hmm. it's yeah. really good i really love this ending but it's what i want to talk about is this so he basically says you're the one who put Emily in front of the gun. You got her killed. I want to tell you now they are looking in your locker. And if there's a brick of cocaine in there, we know it for sure. And he he takes her down because she killed the woman he loved. Yeah. And by the way, let's not also forget, he totally fucks Laura too. Like, yeah. Like I don't know people. if I love that so much. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's honestly her just trying to buffalo him. That really Maybe. does feel yeah, like Yeah, actually, that. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. As the femme fatale, she is doing everything she can to get him out there i guess and, get, and yeah. you know get, and get him under her th- get him under her thumb and there's this moment at the end and you think the movie wow the movie has hit its moment of apex and all of a sudden you realize oh no there's still a little turn coming up and you realize she says to him she goes she was pregnant you know because we've known this whole time and she says you know how long she was around she goes like three months like she was just starting to show and he says do you know whose baby that makes it and she lays like this chinatown level bomb on him and she says, and she, and she just leans into his ear. And if you watch it on um, subtitles, she says mother and it just cuts out because you hear like a car go by. I think I watched it on, you hear, you hear a flock of uh, That's like, what it is, yeah. seagulls it fly off. Back. Yeah, it's his yeah. kid. It's his kid. It's Brendan's. And there's the great moment at the end where she walks away because she's going to get caught. They're going to get her. The police or the principal are going to take her down because yeah. they found 
cocaine. And she, well, they he doesn't heroin. Well, they found heroin, excuse which me. Is, and they, which they is don't worse. Yeah, much worse. And they don't ever have to prove. I mean, they've got her like dead. Right. Yeah, he doesn't, no, he doesn't have is, to bring her in. It's a matter of time. That is possession with the intent, intent. to sell, my friend. Yep. So he gets her and the brain comes over and he says, what did she say to you? And he goes, she called me a dirty word. And it's just, it's brilliant. The moment where you find out all how it all comes together, it just plays so well. Yeah, no. That, like, where that were you at when you first, like, when I, when you first saw that moment where, like, the big reveal happens? Like, that's, I, I feel like that's our Chinatown in some ways. That moment mm. where you realize, oh, shit, he's fucking his daughter. Spoiler alert on Chinatown. Yeah, yeah big spoiler alert on Chinatown. <laughs> Well, fuck them if they haven't seen it. It's from the fucking 70s. I'm not apologizing for that. Forget this movie, it. I'll apologize if I spoiled. Forget it, Ben. It's China podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I'd go yeah. fully. Uh, it's, mean, you know, oh, Chinatown level. Oh, I think it's, it's like pretty a great bleak. little... Like, she goes like, she goes, yeah, you could have saved... Like, she kind of lays this, like, almost unforgivable, like, saving Private Ryan guilt of, like, you could have saved her and you could have saved that baby and that baby was yours and you fucked up. Had the screen gone to black and it just said, Cowboy, you're going to carry that weight? Or like, Cowboy, whatever the Cowboy Bebop ends? Like, I, I wouldn't have, it wouldn't have felt like out of the ordinary. I would have just been like, wow, it was a really weird why, looking. Why, 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 why? Knowing what we know about that fact about him, how has he not been tapped to do Cowboy Bebop? I just don't think you should do a live action Cowboy Bebop. I think well, a live I, action I anime. I don't either. I don't either. But I feel if you could do one, Next to, and I know it didn't work, but I feel there is a way to do it right, Full Metal Alchemist, I think Cowboy Bebop is the most accessible one you can do. It's 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 a fucking outlaw show. It works in the right way if you do it. Yeah. The but Ryan Johnson, he's doing, you know, he's going to do the Star Wars movies. So. Yeah, yeah. Let's give him let's the final, him. let's give him the final word. Run through his filmography. So it's Brick, the Brothers Bloom. Wait, 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 which... wait, wait, hold on. This movie that we've just blown for the first, like, for the last like good chunk, he did this first. Yep. I mean, if you want to talk about a guy who's starting off on a very strong foot. Yeah. No, this is a home run first. Okay. So he did the brothers bloom, which is what, probably the weakest of his movies. I, I have a very big soft spot for that movie. I probably do too, but I have not seen it since. It's not amazing by any stretch, but you can tell this was the movie that some studio said, Hey, swing for the fences. And yeah. that's what this feels like. This this feels like his Hudsucker proxy. And it's it's not a home run, but it definitely is a double. It's, it's, it's a solid... You know what? Fucking perfect way to put it. We'll never do the Brothers Bloom, probably. I can't imagine what we would pair it with. That would be but weird we one. can say a solid double. Yeah. A gentleman Six. It also bombed pretty hard. And then he does... Gentleman he does, Six. I don't know that one. Huh? Gentleman oh, Six. I don't know that one. Just like a six out of ten. Oh, gotcha. Gentleman Six. Gotcha. Yeah, it's uh, it's um, a lingo from another then, podcast. But I'm then, sorry. let's be honest, he comes back with what I think is maybe his best movie. No, Brick is his best movie. Looper. Mm, Looper's really good. Looper. And, really and Looper, once good. again, teaming with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. And then, let's be honest, he does three episodes of Breaking Bad. And I know we're not a TV podcast, but he does Fly, which is incredible. The best he episode is- of Breaking Bad. <sighs> It's not. How dare you? No, the it's best the best episode, episode of Breaking Bad. I'm sorry. He also does 51, which I don't really remember. But, and I will argue your fly thing with this. He does Ozymandias. That is the best episode of television maybe ever made. I think there's an argument for it. But we're not going to talk about that because we're, we're going to talk about podcast. that. We're not going to talk about television. No. And then he goes on and does what is controversially the most discussed Star Wars movie, I think, maybe ever. The Last Jedi, which it's good. I like it. It's so good. That movie will appreciate 
so much slower than Empire Strikes Back did because Empire Strikes Back was immediately beloved. This uh-huh. is going to age the way Empire Strikes Back oh. is. It's just going to get better because people are going to figure out that this was someone else's vision of it. That movie's going to age like fine wine. I agree. <laughs> I think the people who are who who are like, oh, like why would you kill the Emperor? It's like, no, that makes so much sense. Like it's such a good moment because you don't expect it. We're not going to go. Into, here's what we'll do in December. You and I will do the double feature of. The, these last two Star Wars movies, yeah, okay. Force Awakens and this, and and Last Jedi, and then we will then do a third one where we watch the Skywalker thing. Okay, which yeah, I'm pretty sure is the title: Skywalker Star Wars Wars. Episode Nine, the Skywalker thing. Question mark? Uh, yeah. Question mark? Yeah. <laughs> got a I meant to make called... it like Mother with the exclamation point, but <laughs> and he's got a movie coming out called Knives Out, starring Chris Evans and Daniel Craig and Jamie Lee Curtis and Michael Shannon and Tony Collette. And Lakeith Stanfield and Christopher Plummer and Frank Oz, Jesus Christ, and Don Johnson. I'll leave him in there, sure. And Ricky Lincoln. That's cool. And Anna de Armas. I don't know who that is, but it's a detective investigates the death of a patriarch and eccentric combative family. Fascinating. I'm I'm all in. Big into that. Big, big want want that. Yeah. Can't wait. T- take us there, Ryan Johnson. This dude is a fucking auteur. And yeah. I, I think this is a guy who I hope continues to work. For the rest of my life. Like, I hope that they do, I actually. Hope, I, this sounds terrible to say. I hope I outlive Ryan Johnson because I don't want to miss one of his movies. I mean, it's big same. I really hope that they do actually let him do the Star Wars movies. Because I'm going to be real honest with you. Last year, I was the most interested I've ever just, been in a Star Wars let movie. Him, let him take us to different places. And I, I don't know. Like there was, there was a lot of interesting things about them. There's a lot we could go into. I'm not, I'm not going to go into. It. But he's, he's the fucking, he's the fucking man. I love yeah, Ryan. Like he's, and I've been on him like from the start. He's one of those directors who I first got onto like right as his first thing hit. Like it's, it's a rare list, but they're in there. People mm-hmm. who you're like, oh, I got that person first. Okay, I can follow this person's career from the jump. And like I remember watching Brothers Bloom. And I was so fucking amped and I watched it the first week and there were two people in the theater. It was so depressing. And I was that, like, Jesus Christ. I, I genuinely was like, I was going to go to the theater. I was going to get my parents. We're like going to go to the movies. And I didn't know when it came out because they just oh. never, there was never a trailer for it's it. It's such a beautifully sad movie. And it has one of my favorite jokes in a movie. Like the moment where his brother holds up the card, Matt, Mark Ruffalo's character goes, was this your card? And he goes, no. And he goes, he goes, think of a card. And he goes, was this your card? And he goes, no. And he goes, but if it was, it'd be the greatest magic trick ever. And it's just such a beautifully sad movie. And it, it, it doesn't work all the time. But when it does, man, it fucking works. Yeah. I like, got to rewatch yeah. it. I got to rewatch it. Maybe it's we'll, good. Maybe, it's good. I, I really probably will never it. do it. But yeah, I got to I got to get back into that. But Looper, man, we'll do Looper. I'm pretty oh, sure. my God. We, yeah. Two, two. We'll do that in Ex Machina. Just two great sci fi movies of an era. Yeah, that's that's 2012 and 2000 something. Yeah, that'll do. 2014. Um, yeah, he deserves all this accolade. This is a brilliant detective movie that you really could show. I would show this to kids in school. Like, I totally would. If I was an English teacher, I'd be like, you could be doing stuff like this. Because this movie feels doable. You could tell it feels like this school he shot it at, there was love there, I guess. Yeah. I don't know if he's from that area. I don't know either. I know he edited it on a laptop, which is pretty impressive. No, he's from Maryland. Wow, that movie must have been... Okay, I was wondering if the movie was shot on digital or film, because there are some clear moments where I'm like, wow, that's not, that looks like some mid-2000s DV. <laughs> and I guess that answers that question. <laughs> mm-hmm. Where it's like, whoa, that's that's digital. Oh, yeah. No, no, I know what you mean. You're that talking movie about, looks like, really good for the most part. Yeah, I know it does. 
But that's kind of almost plays into the noir aspect of it, like the bad backgrounds when they're driving in cars and stuff. Yeah, yeah. The real it's it is low budget in the way that a lot mm-hmm. of those like really good B movie noirs are just super low budget. So, what do you want to give it? I'm gonna give it a five. How about you? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a five. I mean, yeah, this right. is this is one of my favorite <laughs> movies of all time. This is in some ways like my dad has The Godfather. He got to see The Godfather in theaters. It's something I've I've seen it in theaters myself, but just imagine being there at the start of it. And like that movie he can put on at any time. I can put on Brick at any point and it's 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 watchable. Yeah, me too. If there was a channel of just movie if there was a channel called Ben's movies, if it came on, I'd be like, Yeah, done. Let's do it. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say if there was a channel, it was just Brick twenty four seven. Brick twenty four seven. Who wants this channel? One guy in Reno and one guy in Portland, but we're yeah. getting there two dollars a month every time. <laughs> But yeah, it's a five. It's 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 a perfect it's a perfect perfect movie. It's an amazing start from a filmmaker who has gone on to do so much bigger things, but still does not forget the people he worked with at the start. Joseph Gordon-Levitt says has been in every one of his movies. The other guy you were saying, Noah Segan. He's also Noah's... shot with the same cinematographer. Yes, I w- I wanted to talk about him too. Steve Ewan. Yeah, he's done some other stuff, hasn't he? Yeah, hold on, let me pull him up. He did, I mean, aforementioned Star Star Wars movie, but he also did his second movie. His first two movies are May and the Toolbox Murders remake. The May is is bizarre. Toby Hooper directed the Toolbox Murders remake, and it's a fucking weird remake. (laughs) Have you seen May? It's been a very long time. Oh, it's bizarre. But yes, Toolbox Murders also very sad. Uh, Let's see, Unknown, I don't know, Altered, The Dead One. San Andreas, which, uh... dude, that movie made money. I mean, shit, he, dude, he did Looper. Looper, Looper is one of the best shot movies. He will, he, if he continues on the path he's on, he will be one of those guys that's a good, like, cinematographer for hire. Mm-hmm. Like, you will always get solid work out of him. Uh, he did the Carrie remake, which I remember the Carrie remake looking really good in the movie. Carrie remake is a good looking film. It's not a great movie, but it's a good looking film. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I would, I would argue that. That's why that movie would get a two and a half right from me right now. Based on that alone, that movie looks amazing. It's just not a necessary movie to happen. We've already seen that movie. Sissy Spacek did it better. That's yeah. everything you need to say. Yeah, sorry uh, I went silent. I just I I clicked over Father and Invention and I saw Kevin Spacey's face and I just it just took the wind out of me. Which movie? <laughs> Father of Invention. I don't know that one. Uh, I don't know either. But it, Kevin Spacey pointing oh, at yep, me. I see it. Yep. Oh. Ooh, took took the air oh, right out of this, my stomach. Put this put this in the notes. Yeah. Well. Bleh. Yeah, so this is a five. So that concludes, which means that would make me ask the question, Tyler, it is our big first ever and last ever 10th episode. This will never happen again. What are we doing? We doing some old boring double feature or whatever? What are we going to do? Well, we thought we'd actually take a break from the format and do something a little bit different. Guys, I don't want to I don't want to lie to you. Tyler came to me last week and he was like, Ben, I can't do this double feature thing anymore. It's breaking me. And I was like, Tyler, Tyler, you got to hang in there, buddy. We only got 400 episodes to go. And he's like, what? I'm like, I've mapped it out, Tyler. We can cash out each at a million dollars. And he was like, but Ben, I can't do it anymore. I need a break. 10 is too many. And I said, okay, Tyler, what if we played a game? And you're like, a game? (laughs) That's not true. None of this happened. I said, hey, Tyler, I have a game idea. And he's like, okay, what is it? And I said, here it is. And he's like, oh, cool, great. Now Tyler will explain to you the game. The game is we have to we have maybe about two hours or so before someone comes in and kills us. And we have to come up with a Mount Rushmore for a director set in a post-apocalyptic future where all mountains are evil and they must be turned into 
the faces of filmmakers and things from movies. This is the world where two men have to decide what go on those things. Exactly. So, so this one, we decided we were going to start with someone else, which we won't tell you because I think he's the one for another time. But we decided that this summer, there is going to be a lot of interesting movies coming out. There's going to be a lot of fun summer movies. I, I'm excited for Hobbs and Shaw. I won't fucking lie about it. I'm excited for other things that are coming out. But there's going to be a movie this year that will echo in existence for this year, whether you like it or not, whether it's good or not. But people will talk about this movie. And it is the ninth film from Quentin Tarantino, and it is called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I just have to get that off my chest to make people understand that we are going to be breaking down the four best movies of Quentin Tarantino and building a Mount Rushmore. Now, you ask yourself, what do you mean building a Mount Rushmore? The idea is, if you look up at Mount Rushmore, you know those four faces. It's Lincoln, Washington, Jefferson, Jefferson. <laughs> and uh, Roosevelt, Teddy Roosevelt. And Roosevelt, yes, thank you. I and had the two. other one. I, I got two. Lincoln, Washington, Jefferson, Roosevelt. Point being is, there are the names. You know those names. This would be if we had to create a mountain of Quentin Tarantino movies, what would be the four things that people would look at and go immediately know, oh, I know what that is. What so, are the four best? The four best. This is the best of the best. I was going to do a top five, but four makes more sense, and it's kind of unique. We each are going to present four, and the way it works is Tyler will have two minutes for his number four, the one that he could say, if one had to go, fine, whatever. He will have a minute and a half for his number three, which is... The one like, yeah, I want it on there, but it's not the super most important. His number two, which is like, got to fight for this one. And number one is has to be on the list. Each time it'll go down from 30 second increments from two minutes to 130 to one to 30 seconds, making him have to be smarter about this. I will also have to do this. And then at the end, we will build a definitive top four of our eight. So some of these might be really interesting. Some of these might be, yeah, we line up on all these correctly and we go home soon. But it's, oh, just yeah, kind of overlap a, on a, on it's just kind of a nice break for us to break from the two things. Because, guys, I don't know if you know this, it's hard to watch two movies in a week when you have a full-time job. And then not only that, also watch another movie to, to talk about. To bring <laughs> to right, the table. Yeah. I'm looking forward to the day where you're like, I, I didn't do any. I didn't have another movie. I don't want to talk about it. And, you're like, and I'm like, yeah, I didn't either. I don't want to yeah. talk about it either. But this is going to be a good one. And it also will probably come out pretty close to, I think, when Once Upon a Time in Hollywood comes out. That's still slated for, like, July, right? July 26th. I have that day off because I'm going to see it. Yeah, all right. Uh, he's this incredible filmmaker, and we wanted to give him his due because certain people in the industry deserve their due. I mean, he's gotten his due, but like, we just kind of want to talk about him. We, we want to talk about him, and we know that we'll never, we might not get to every Tarantino movie, and we want to give him his propers, and he deserves yes. it. There are certain yeah. filmmakers who are on another level, and we both, I'm sure, have ones that we would agree on and ones that we would say, no, they're not. Yes, they are. No, they're not. But... <laughs> This is going to be fun. That is episode 10. So we will come back after that. Once we do that episode, you'll hear us switch back onto our format. And then we'll go 11 to 19. 20 will obviously be another another one of these Mount Rushmores. And that's how we we'll do it. Yeah. And if we develop another game along the way, we'll figure it out. But yeah, we'll for now, out. that is what it's going to be. So next week, it's Quentin Tarantino's Rushmore, which I, I'm I not. I just imagined if you did yeah. Rushmore, the Wes Anderson um, movie. <laughs> <laughs> so the we'll call it the Quentin Tarantino Rushmore Memorial of Awesomeness, and each one will be named whatever we're doing Memorial of Awesomeness. I'm into that. So yeah, and we will present those to you. So for two white guys talking film, I am of course your host Ben, and I'm Tyler, and we will see you guys next time. And remember, guys, pick up your trash. Don't make the people do it there. They already have to serve you popcorn. Two white guys talking film. I think you've had enough.
No. Now you've had enough. Bitch. <laughs>